Welcome to the third installment of To Clean House, You Must First See the Dirt. In this little series that we've been doing on Friday, we're getting down to that nitty gritty. I'm talking about getting down to the places where the dirt hides in our heart, and that dirt is what keeps us from soaring like eagles. So today we're going to look at the evil trinity. Now I'm sure you've heard of the holy trinity, but there's also an evil trinity and that evil trinity is me, myself, and I. Yes, what we're addressing is selfishness. Not just the obvious cases, though we'll talk about those, but also some of those subtle cases that nobody knows except you and God. So this is going to take us into a part of the heart where very few people are willing to travel. This is one of the reasons why Jesus said, straight and narrow is the way, and few there be who find it, because excelling in Christ requires a deliberate determination to walk into those places where no one else wants to go. Because to clean house, you must first see the dirt. And when we see the dirt, we can sweep it up, put it in the garbage can, and get rid of it, and then we can move on to new heights that we have not experienced before. And that's the whole goal. So let me remind you that if you find value in this presentation, share it wherever you do your social media because when you share it, you help spread the message and together, I really do, now call me a helpless dreamer, but I really do believe that we can make a difference. So Jesus is the example, the ultimate example of selflessness. He's also the most loved person of all time. So what I'm trying to tell you is that selflessness is counterintuitive. Selflessness sounds like you're losing something, but in fact, selflessness is the way of gain. Now, I'm not talking about being a doormat for people. I am not asking you to let people walk all over you. And we're going to come back to that doormat concept more than once as we work through this little presentation. So Jesus, again, ultimate example. And here's what he said. And this is the selfishness, that selflessness that we're talking about. Is that I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that verse is key to understanding the biblical concept of selflessness versus the world's idea of selflessness. And this is where a lot of people miss it. They have a, I'm going to call it a lesser understanding of what selflessness is. And that lesser, maybe secular understanding of it leads to a lot of disappointment. So listen close to what Jesus said. He said he came down from heaven to do the Father's will. His selflessness was 100% completely aimed at pleasing God. He was not trying to be a people pleaser, and that's the distinction there. Jesus' entire focus was to please God. And if people liked it, great. And if people didn't like it, that was just their tough luck because he came to do the will of the Father. And that, that makes all the difference in the world. If you try to be a people pleaser, then you are going to open yourself up to all kinds of manipulations and being used and abused. But if you aim to please God, then you're going to find the straight and narrow way to higher ground. 
Now, of course, we've got to be fair or be balanced. You're still going to make sacrifices, but you make those sacrifices with a view to pleasing God, and He's always has your best interest at heart. So he's not trying to manipulate you. He's not trying to use you. I say it's all training. And he is training us through these experiences. And the better you understand this, the more empowerment you're going to get out of it. Now, the world won't always understand what's going on, but who cares? You'll know what's going on. You'll know that you're training. And you'll know that you are pressing on the upward way. Paul uses the example of Christ, and he writes about that in Philippians chapter 2, and he starts at verse 3, and we're going to read some of the verses there. I encourage you to go back and study it on your own. But Paul told us to do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. So. Paul's goal is for us to have a balance between our own interest and looking out for other people. So when you're selfless, this doesn't mean that you give up all your own interest. All we're saying is that when you are selfless, you are finding a balance between your interest, which is serving God, and the interest of the people that is in your life. So this is not, this is definitely not surrendering yourself completely to the hands of other people. Selfless people, those who do it in a godly way, are totally responsible. They own their life, they own their direction, and they're good stewards. In other words, they are not doormats for other people to walk all over. So Paul tells us, of course, to imitate Christ. He says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ, that although he existed in the form of God, he didn't count it robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself and he took on the form of a bondservant. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. Now, there's a lot in this passage, but our point is, Jesus' selflessness is our example. And a couple of other points that aren't as obvious is he did not resist serving other people. He did serve other people. He emptied himself. However, it was not for the whim of men. When Christ emptied himself and served others, it was to fulfill the will of God. He didn't come to be served, as he would say, but rather to serve, and he came to serve as the sacrifice that we all needed. So his selflessness was always focused on that spiritual progression and our ultimate good, but never to just indulge the selfish desires of other people. Jesus refused to be a doormat and let people just walk all over him. So. He's very selfless. He's the excellent example of that, but he did not give up control of his life to other people. He was always moving in a way that pleased God. It was the spiritual good of others. So even though he's a servant, he's still in control of how he served and how he would sacrifice. And I think sometimes we forget that part. When he went to Calvary, it was because that was the plan from the beginning. 
he did not get forced against his will. In fact, he, he had to remind his disciples that when he was being arrested that this was the plan. He said, or do you not think I can ask my father and he'll give me 12 legions of angels? That's in Matthew 26, 53, if you want to look it up. So even at Calvary, Jesus was not being forced down a path that was against his will. He laid down his life on purpose, on intention, serving our spiritual good. So I want you to look at an earlier example with me because I think this is awesome and a lot of folks just missed this one. So in John 5 and 6, he fed the 5,000 people and they come back looking for him the next day and they want to make him king. Now, they just thought they found a free meal ticket uh, and they found a way to, you know, to easy street. And so when they came to Jesus and started trying to get him to, to be their king and perpetual food source, he rebuked them and he refused to give them a second meal. Now he could have easily given them a second meal. Think about that. He could have fed them over and over and over and he could have kind of nurtured them along, strung them along, however you want to say that, until eventually maybe they would have come around to the truth. But he didn't do it. He gave them a tough sermon. It was a hard sermon. You can read about that in John 6. And they all left. And then he turned to the twelve and asked them if they wanted to leave too. Now the point is, Jesus is an extremely selfless person. But he refused to indulge the selfishness of other people. He was not a doormat. And we are not asking you to be a doormat. So don't, don't go down that line at all. This is not about letting people walk all over you. Now, let me remind you, if you're finding any value in this presentation, then wherever you do your social media, take time to share it, do a little share there, because working together, I really do believe we can make a difference in the lives of a few other people. Now, when you're practicing selflessness, we don't enable other people. We don't want to be enablers, to use a little more modern term. And of course, we don't want to become puppets of people who are just users. Don't, don't do that. So again, we're not doormats, but we are serving God. This is about doing the will of the Father. So sometimes it might look like we're letting people walk on us, but we'll know that what we're doing is we're presenting our bodies a living sacrifice in the service of God for the advancement of the kingdom. What we're actually doing is we're choosing God's will over our own will, and sometimes, yes, that means that we make sacrifices because selfless people are into true agape love. We're really looking out for the good of other people, so we are seeking the best of others. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to sit quietly in the corner and never express ourselves. Selflessness does not mean that you give up your voice. Jesus certainly did not give up his voice. You can be a wonderfully selfless person and still express your wishes, your ideas, your thoughts, just whatever the occasion calls for, because selflessness does not mean that you gave up your opinion. It does mean you don't throw a tantrum and pout if you don't get your way. If you're a selfless person, then you don't make people feel bad for not going along with you and your ideas. You don't manipulate. You don't 
coerce others to get your own way. But in important matters, yes, you, you take a stand and, and you, you hold your line. And you may do it with a little more zeal, depending on how important the matter is. And in moral matters, you absolutely take your stand with God because our loyalty is always to God. If our selflessness betrays God, then it is an earthly selflessness and not the biblical selflessness that we really want to develop in our spiritual walk. So, selfless people, we just don't abuse and manipulate other people. We, we don't use them. That, that's just not what Christians do. As a selfless Christian, you don't want to be one of those people that have to dominate and always be the center of attention. You don't want to be that person that's going to be the cloud of gloom and doom if you don't get to be in the spotlight. That, that, that's no good. And then there are those people who are not happy, and then they don't want anybody else to be happy. And that, that's not Christianity. You know, that's just watch out for that, that kind of thing. Controlling others is a form of selfishness. Well, let me clarify that just a little bit. If someone's getting ready to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, then we need to intervene. We need to step in and stop that. However, most people are capable of making the daily decisions of life. And in those cases, we as a selfless Christian respect other people's right to make their own decisions. So we don't demand to be in control. We don't demand to be the center of attention. We don't demand to be recognized and applauded every time we do something good because we are serving to please God. His approval is the only one that counts. So if you feel slighted because you did something good for someone else and they didn't applaud you, eh, you probably got a little bit of a problem that you need to work through there. Now, Sometimes selfless people delude themselves into thinking they're the most important person in the workplace. And that's just laughable. We are all extremely replaceable. The world was going along just fine 6,000 years before we got here. And it may go along another 6,000 years after we leave here. I mean, it's, it's not fun to think about, but hey, we're just not that important. Look, maybe a hundred people will show up at your funeral. I've done many, many, many funerals, and the majority of them had far less than a hundred people. And the funny thing is that even if they do take time out of their day to come honor your memory, I have seen people get cranky, upset, and fidgety when they thought the preacher went too long. So even when they take time out to honor you, they're still being selfish, going, okay, I'll give you 20 minutes, but if he goes to 30, I'm going to get up and walk out of here. So keep your eye on the big picture. We're just not that important individually. Sure, you're important to those in your immediate circle, but you get outside of that circle, Life's going to go on just fine without you. Now, I want to look at a couple of two or three places where selfishness is pretty subtle, but it still sneaks in and catches us. And this is getting us down to a little bit more fine-tuning our spirituality, but we need to go there. So sometimes you can catch this selfishness popping up when you're in the grocery store line 
and it, you're just you know you're aggravated because the line's not moving fast enough for you you're wondering what are all these people doing in the grocery store when I'm in here that's that's just a form of selfishness thinking that our time is more important than anybody else's our plans are more important than anybody else's and of course when you stop and think about it you know they're not and we know that's not good Christian behavior Sometimes we catch that selfishness pop up when we become impatient with the waiter at the restaurant, uh, you know, because they don't refill our tea quick enough or bring our food quick enough or respond to our request quick enough. You, you know how it goes. And, and I get, you have a right to reasonable service, but a good Christian person is going to be aware, is this the noon hour, how busy the restaurant is, is the waiter covering for somebody who's absent? You know, we're just we're going to be loving people, not selfish people. And then finally, how about when you're driving? Oh, I'll tell you, selfishness can pop up there, can it? You think, you know, everybody on the road ought to just pull over uh, and let me through because my plans and, and my schedule and what I'm going to is more important than anything else in the world. Now, that's just ugly to say it. But let's be honest, sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel that everyone should recognize that our plans are vitally important when the reality is there's nothing this side of the tombstone that that's that vitally important. So here you have the evil trinity, me, myself, and I, and it can pop up in some very blatant and outrageous ways. It can pop up in some very small ways. Look, if you find the dirt, then I, what I want you to do is I want you to celebrate. I don't want you to beat yourself up and think you're a bad Christian because you're still wrestling with some issues of selfishness. When we get down to the areas of impatience, you're probably going to wrestle with some of that stuff the rest of your life. So when you, when you do find those places, rejoice. This is what we're after. Because to clean the house and be the best you can be, the first thing you have to do is see the dirt before you can clean it up. And so if something in this little presentation has kind of convicted your conscience, give yourself a pat on the back. Celebrate a little bit and then get out the broom and the dustpan and sweep that dirt up. Carry it out to the garbage can. Get rid of it so that you can soar like an eagle spiritually. That's, that's, that's just a wonderful idea. So if you enjoyed the presentation, then wherever you do your social media, just share this little presentation there because together, in this simple little fashion, we can make a difference in the lives of a few other people. And if it's only five or six people, so what? They're worth more than all the world. So remember, to clean house, you must first see the dirt. And as always, I hope you have a great day.